Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to Fearlessly Feral Living and a continuation of our four-part series covering the introduction of the Science of Mind textbook. The thing itself, the way it works, what it does, and how to use it. And today we are doing the third section, what it does. So here's the introduction and then we'll move on. Welcome again to Fearlessly Feral Living. This is Reverend Karen broadcasting to you from the Woogie Ranch out here in the back 40 of northwestern Nevada, where I'm a half hour away from the nearest gas station and the nearest grocery store. My mission is to teach practical application of science of mind principles to provide a strong and unshakable inner foundation that facilitates long-term living. Okay, let's jump in, shall we? One of my most absolute favorite, favorite quotes is in this section. This quote sums up the first two sections for me and also has become one of my foundational principles. Whenever I forget who and what I am or start experiencing limitation, I remind myself of this quote. Here's the quote. It has been said that we can know God only insofar as we can become God. I'm going to repeat that. It has been said that we can know God only insofar as we can become God. Now, couple this quote with the previous section that basically said, God doesn't do things, but gives us the power to do things. And that it can only work through us and as us. And then we get this whammy of a quote. And I'm going to repeat it again. It has been said that we can know God only in so far as we can become God. So basically what Ernest Holmes is saying is, you want to know God more? Become God. And I can hear the objections now. I get them all the time. There is no way we can become God. And okay, you're getting a little out there now. I'm out of here. (laughs) Stick around. Let me explain this. And the mild ones I get, the objections. Well, my God is different than that. Now, that's an objection that I got from a religious scientist, a practitioner, no less. I don't know how she missed out on this third section. But anybody who says their God is different than what it says here in this third section, please go back and reread this third section. Because if your God is different than what it's describing in this section, it is my opinion that you're limiting yourself greatly. So also in the previous section, it also says we receive only as much as we believe. And for myself, I'm going to trust Holmes and believe him when he says that I can become God as much as I am willing to know God. Now that I have your attention, Holmes did backtrack a bit when he said of that statement, it is to be taken figuratively and not too literally, for we cannot really become God, but we can and do partake of the divine nature and the universal does personify itself through humans in varying degrees, according to our receptivity to it. 
God works through us. It's as simple as that. No, we don't literally become God, but we can sure as hell embody those qualities of spirit that we ascribe to God. And we can base our lives on those qualities. We can use them as principles, as our foundation. You may have heard of qualities of spirit before, also sometimes called attributes of spirit. And there's a lot of different attributes of spirit depending on who you consult. Christianity has their own set. Everybody's got their own set. Today, for the purposes of this episode, I'm going to use a list provided by Emmett Fox, who listed these seven attributes of spirit. Also, most commonly, there's seven of them. I don't know why. There's seven. Here's the seven Emmett Fox used. Life, truth, love, intelligence, soul, spirit, and principle. So what I'm basically saying here, if we want to become God, we can embody these seven attributes of spirit. So let's look, take a look at them and see how we can do that. Life. God is life. Not just living life nor giving life, but it is life. Now, if we believe in oneness, then we believe we are part of God and it is a part of us. If this is true then should we not be living as full a life as possible? Free of limitations of any kind? Remember, we can receive only as much as we allow. The more we allow ourselves to embody life, the less limited we will be in all of our affairs. When we fully express ourselves as the life of God, all sorts of beautiful things open up to us. Now let's take a look at truth. My version of truth takes things a bit further than the common new thought definition of truth. The new thought definition of truth is to know the divine truth of ourselves and others. This is, by the way, where the process of affirmative prayer comes in, when we state the truth about a thing in the third step of the affirmative prayer. So basically, knowing the truth in new thought land means we know the truth that we are the, the divinity that God is. We know the divine truth of ourselves, that we're spiritual beings having a human experience. But there's a certain amount of spiritual bypass that comes into play with knowing the truth that God is all good all the time and God is everywhere present and living and working and breathing in and around and through all things, including ourselves. This leads to sayings like, it's all good. Well, I'm sorry, but it's not always all good. Sometimes shit happens. It's not all good. Sometimes life sucks. And if we go around denying that because we're the divine truth, we make ourselves sick both physically and mentally. So I take this thing about knowing the truth a bit deeper. Truth for me is to know my values and my beliefs and change them if necessary. Truth is to live in integrity with my values and my beliefs. Truth is to be fully aware of all that is happening inside of me, to know my shadows, my self-imposed limitations, my fears, 
and what I do when I'm in fear. Truth means that because I'm acting in integrity with my beliefs and values, and I have established these beliefs and values in myself, I haven't fully, willy-nilly, freely accepted the beliefs and values that were installed upon me and in me by society or the parental units or the church or whatever. I've looked at all that stuff myself, and I have said, I'm not keeping that one. I'm not keeping that one. This one's okay. I'll keep this one. I have looked at all of this stuff and I have gotten my own beliefs and my own values and I've installed them myself. Truth means that when I'm acting in integrity with those beliefs and values that I've installed myself, there's no need for justification. There's no need for attempts to control. There's no need to hide any of my actions and there's no need to try and manipulate people because I'm simply living in integrity with my truth. And truth means I speak that truth as well. It really is true that the truth makes us free and fully and completely knowing ourselves in our truth is the path to freedom. And don't forget, if God lives within us, then the way to know God And as Ernest Holmes said, become God is to know ourselves. So this truth thing is kind of a big deal. Let's move on to love. Well, what can I say about love? It's no accident that love is on everyone's list of attributes of spirit. Love transcends all belief systems and all religions. It is truly the most powerful force in the universe. There's no accident that love is another commonly used name for God. Love conquers all and heals all. I have quite frequently used love to heal all of my relationships. Love really does conquer all. It really does heal. If I'm having a resentment or a kerfluffle or something, some sort of an upset with someone or something, all I have to do is remember the love that I am and go there and feel that which, by the way, is what embodiment means. I feel it. And my feelings about this kerfluffle are all gone. But here's the kicker with love. There's also this little thing called tough love. We can love people in such a way that we kill them. That's called enabling. We can love people in very unhealthy ways. I've been accused of being intolerant, of being hateful, of voicing hate, because I freely use tough love when I feel it necessary. When I see hatred, racism, misogyny, dishonesty, violence, manipulation, and or other forms that are all the the opposite of love, I do not go silently into that good night. I call it out. And if that's hatred, so be it. But I don't think it is. In fact, I know for a fact it is not. It is calling people to higher ground, to live better, to fully live in love. And I refuse to stay silent when hatred is practiced. It is, in the long term, the most loving thing to do. Okay, let's move on here. Next up in the attributes of spirit is intelligence. Mother Nature is part of God and is intelligent. Watch Mother Nature do her thing and you witness intelligence in action. 
When we mess with Mother Nature, we're not being intelligent, guys. That's why we have climate change. That's why we've got all this extreme weather. Instead, we are misusing our power. We're misusing the very concept of dominion. Intelligence means, just like in Mother Nature, that all things work together for the common good. The way to embody intelligence is to really look at how our actions and our thoughts and our words are affecting everyone else in the world. Because intelligence means all things work together for the common good. Soul. Now, according to Ernest Holmes, soul is the creative medium. It's that thing that takes our thoughts and manifests them into reality. We talk about spirit, soul, and body, seed, soil, and plant. It's a triune. We have this triune nature. Soul is where we get our ability to create. Our thoughts are the seed or the spirit. And if we are one with God, then so are our thoughts one with God, unless we're not living our truth. Do you see how all this stuff is connected? Those thoughts are grabbed hold of by the soul. That part of us that is the individualized manifestation of God. And that's another set of words that Holmes uses. He calls us individualized manifestations of God, by the way. We turn from thought to form, the body or the plant. That's what the soul does. It takes our thoughts and moves them into form. The creative process is one of my most favorite topics. And I have done many, many retreats on this topic. And there are classes about the creative process. Yum, yum, yum. Let's move on to spirit. According to spirit, I mean, according to Emmett Fox, spirit is that which cannot be destroyed or damaged. God is spirit. And because of oneness, so are we. There is indeed a part of us that cannot be destroyed or damaged. This is our ultimate truth, by the way. There's a part of us that cannot be destroyed or damaged. And when we feel this ultimate truth of our being, we can create more of it. Last but not least, principle. Principle is that upon which all our thoughts and actions are dictated. I'm equating principle to belief here. Whether we are aware of it or not, we might be aware of the results of the principles upon which we live, but unless we learn to go deep within ourselves and really know our truth, we won't be able to address it. For example, let's say you're broke all the time. You might be living in the principle based on the belief that money doesn't grow on trees or that there simply isn't enough to go around, or that in order to make money, you have to work harder, not smarter. These are all beliefs that were installed in us when we were kids. I'm sure you heard your parents or somebody say, well, money doesn't grow on trees, you know. That's a belief, guys. And we get to look at those kinds of beliefs if we're broke all the time, because that kind of stuff is what manifests in our outer world. So we get to look at these things 
And in order for us to experience a change and not be broke all the time, we've got to dig to the level of belief or principle and change it. We have to change those beliefs. There is indeed enough. I promise you that. Money does indeed grow on trees, only it comes in the form of fruit, which is another form of abundance. And we get to properly care for that fruit using the inborn native intelligence of our beings. Again, see how all this stuff is wrapped up together? The other aspect of principle is that there are certain truths in life, certain principles, like the law of attraction is a principle can't change that. We attract what we are. We don't necessarily attract what we say, but we attract what we believe. We attract what we are. We attract how we show up in the world. Take a look at your life, guys. And if you're attracting stuff that you don't necessarily like, I'm not saying you're doing anything wrong. I'm saying take a look at who and what you are and what you believe in and change it if necessary. So we can use these principles to live successfully. But sometimes we might have to examine and change our beliefs in order to do so. So that's how we become God. We embody attributes of spirit. How do you embody a thing? Sometimes people ask me, you embody something? What does that mean? I know it's kind of a jargony term. Here's a practical exercise. Get yourself a list of attributes of spirit. If you go to Google and you type in attributes of spirit, you'll get a whole bunch of different lists. Find one list that resonates with you. Write them down or copy and paste them into into a uh, document. Take one of those attributes at a time and set an intention to focus on that attribute to behave in integrity with that attribute and repeat as needed. That's how you embody qualities of spirit and how we become God, incidentally. So I've got other qualities of spirit. Mine for this year that I just came up with a few weeks ago is enthusiasm. And it is firmly and well and completely in my consciousness, guys enthusiasm all the way through in everything that I'm doing. And I'm thinking about it. I'm dreaming about it. I go to bed thinking about it. I wake up thinking about it, how I'm going to be enthusiastic today and how I was enthusiastic yesterday and how that is the principle upon which I'm living this year, amongst others. But enthusiasm takes the forefront. Sometimes I'll look up the definition of enthusiasm And read what it says and internalize that and feel it. That's how we embody this stuff. So you can do the same thing with attributes of spirit. That's how you embody it. You focus on it. You think about it. You put it in your consciousness. You make it everything you are and everything you have. So that's my take on what it does, guys. One more episode to go. I hope you have enjoyed this series so far. And I very much thank you for listening. And I also thank you for your support. And I am knowing fearlessly feral living for me and for you. 
And we are a focused ministry of Centers for Spiritual Living, and your support is, again, fully appreciated and fully tax-deductible. And you can support us in a number of ways. The links are all in the show notes, but you can support the podcast. If you're listening on Buzzsprout, there's a little button there you can click that says support the podcast, and you can support us that way. You can also become a member of Fearlessly Feral Living by going to our Patreon page, Fearlessly Feral Living. You can give us a one-time donation by going to our PayPal page, which is Karen Lindsley NV, stands for Nevada NV, Karen Lindsley NV. And all of this information and more is on the website at fearlesslyferal.org. Once again, I thank you for listening. And once again, I am knowing fearlessly feral living for me and for you.